1: we
2: Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or
0: visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast.
3: Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer. I'm joined, as always, by ESPN.com's Ben Gessling and Judd Zolgad of the 1500 ESPN Mackie and Judd Morning Show. Today, gentlemen, it's going to be about asking Ben Gessling about his trip to Houston. You just got back, right, from visiting Uh, Adrian
2: Peterson? Yes, got back Monday
3: night. So you spent Father's Day down. How did you convince the family that that was the
2: route to go? Not only did I spend Father's Day down there. Uh, I left on my wife's birthday. Oh, boy. In the year of the NFL schedule, lighting every attempt that those who cover the Minnesota Vikings have at a personal life on fire. (laughs) I left on my wife's birthday. I was out of town uh, for my daughter's birthday before the draft. I have to leave town. Um, our anniversary to go to Philadelphia, and then that doesn't even count all the Halloween Thanksgiving Christmas New Years yeah, so thousand and sixteen is not the year of <laughs> two thousand and sixteen is the year of Ben Gessling leaving for important occasions what in a his family Dead beach, you turned out to be I huh? guess so my 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 youngest daughter's birthday. I will be in town for that in December. so we're down to that.
3: That's good. That's good. Well, let's get to what you learned. <laughs> Great news. We, yeah, now that we went over uh, the update in Ben Gessling's personal life, let's get to the work life, where I'm very intrigued by what you ended up writing, at least initially, about Adrian Peterson, saying that he's not sure that it's the biggest thing in terms of pushing him toward retirement would be more of the OTAs in minicamp and the grind as opposed to the 16, 17 games a year that you would end up playing.
2: Yeah, that was unequivocally what he said. I mean I asked him, you know, I, I got talking to uh his trainer, James Cooper, about this a little bit and then I, I talked with Adrian. I talked with Adrian a, a few different times, but um, the last conversation I had with him was the one that I wrote that story off of. You know, I, I said, you know, Adrian James kind of talked about this and um just the grind of it all and, and the the preparation and all of that being what would eventually drive you away from it, more so than you know i'm I'm getting to be 32 33 34 years old and i'm wearing down he said yeah absolutely that's it he said basically he gets to a point for him where the the tedium of otas minicamps practices would be more likely to make him say ah, i just don't want to do this anymore than the, the the wear and tear of playing games I, I think yeah he's hardly the first player to feel like this i mean the 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 thing about Brett Favre that I, I, I said, you know, this is what Brett Favre used to do at the end of his career. He would either kind of delay his retirement decision. He would do his yes, no, back and forth thing right until about the time he got to miss a bunch of the offseason stuff. Or in the case of when he came here, I think it was like the day the Vikings came back from Mankato or something around there. And, I, you know, he said yeah, you're right. jokingly, he's like, yeah, I might have to try that. So, I mean, <laughs> he's 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 far from the first player that gets to this point in his career and says, yeah, I've had enough of the. The routine, but that was interesting to hear him say that. Yeah,
3: and you wrote more about Adrian's gym that he recently yes. built. Uh, he's got a bunch of people already coming to that, kind of creating his own business in that
2: sense. Yeah. Yeah, and, and well, the one they thing have I wanted, expansion plans there too. I mean.
3: Yeah, and the one thing I wanted to get to is he's been known, obviously, to have this rigorous training style, always uh, being in tip top shape, no matter what time of the year it is. Mm-hmm. Do you feel it's is it more just the monotony of OTAs, or is it the work he puts in in the off season to keep in that shape that that grinds him down?
2: I think the the work he puts in, I think, invigorates him more than the football stuff. I mean, I, I he I mean, he talked about this. He he said basically. He said look at look at twenty twelve, where I was able to just work off on the side and I didn't go through any training camp and look at the year I had. I mean, he basically feels like I am better served by being able to go off and do training to keep myself sharp and keep myself with an edge than going through all the reps in practice. And Judd I think is uh has a has a response or a rebuttal well, of I'm some just, type. I'm,
1: no, no, I'm just a little bit confused. Uh, now, the Favre plan was certainly less than ideal in itself, but he was a quarterback, so I get that. Right. He's, it's so hard to find good quarterbacks. And Peterson, don't get me wrong, I'm sure until he's an old man, he'll be in exquisite physical condition.
2: To be very clear, before we get into this, yeah. it was me that invoked Brett right. Favre's name, right? Right, not right. him.
1: But the Favre plan, but he saw the Favre plan. Oh, yeah, and, he was there for you're it. You're right. Favre never set foot in Mankato one day in his two years with the Vikings. It's brilliant, really. And, in fact, they were way, way into training camp when they finally went back and sent uh, Jared and Steve and Ryan to get him out of Mississippi in 2010. No, what I was going to ask, though, is for a running back, it's not realistic to to ever go on this plan, right? Probably not. Because your plan, because as much as you might not, I get the fact that football practice sucks. Like, there's nothing. I think football players like to play 16 Sundays a season and playoffs, and that's it. Uh, But for any other position, I would guess it's not viable because there's so many other things that you have to do to involve yourself in the game plan. And plus, running back is, uh, I don't know how to put this. It's not, in my opinion, like a premium position. Yeah. Like, there's X amount of quarterbacks out there. You can call your shots. a little yes,
3: bit Yes, and more you can beforehand. say I'm going
1: to show up, and, and teams might say, "Okay." I would think running backs doesn't fit into that pattern. I
2: wouldn't think so either. I, mean, I think a lot of this it's from him was being Don't facetious, sure. but it it was very interesting to hear him say that I would rather just work out, you know, as much as I possibly can, than go through all the regular stuff because I th- I think at the same time, you know, the obvious counter to that is. Okay, there were some things last season, technique-wise, getting involved in the offense that you probably could use some practice time. Yeah, and I want to get to you uh,
3: in terms of asking you about what he's doing and and the minute details of of the fumbling and all that other kind of stuff. But first, this is different to me anyway than Allen Iverson saying he doesn't like to practice or doesn't like showing up to practice. This is a guy saying that practice might force him away earlier from
2: the game itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I think practice you I mean all of the the grind of getting ready i mean he he seems to like that part of it but one thing's james one thing james cooper said is that you know he he's gotten to this point now in his life where he's more involved with family stuff i you know sure. i think he said it adrian said it a couple times and said it again that one of the silver linings for him when he was suspended that year was it it gave him more time to be at home and sort of do the everyday stuff that he hadn't been doing and he saw okay i kind of like this so one thing James Cooper said is that when athletes get to that point, he starts to worry a little bit because now you have to balance that with before it was just I want to be the best and this is my only focus, and now you kind of have to be able to to juggle both of those things. I don't think there's any
1: sport in, in football, you have to do it so much because there's so few games where players, athletes like to practice, right? No. I, I think you know, athletes I think like – I it's pretty normal. I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I think if you were to ask them to fill out a chart of what they like. One would be games. Yep. Two would be, for a lot of guys, the locker room. I think they like the camaraderie. Yes. I, think Favre, I think Favre enjoyed that part of it. Uh, three would be being around the team and all that stuff. But, I. But you know, it's not surprising. I don't think there's any football player that says, do you know what I look forward to? That Thursday practice.
2: No, no, you know what, no, no, the no, only but- thing practice might be above is talking to us for right. some of them.
1: <laughs> not all. Not all. Some enjoy talking to us cuz that's how they're going to make their uh their cash. No, but their we're, not, we're not talking about a guy
3: so, who's basically saying I don't like practice. That's not the news here. The news here to me was what Ben what he told you Ben in the sense that the grind of practice might force me into an earlier retirement than I otherwise
2: would. Uh, just to just to be clear here. I mean, and I know how these things get. We know when we write the stories, when all of us do it, then all you know, pro football talk gets their hands on it, or whoever, and everybody sure. kind of kind of tries to insert all these different meanings of it. the 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 biggest takeaway I think I had from it <clears throat> was that Adrian does not think, and his trainer James Cooper does not think that there is going to be a day where he goes out there and says, "I can't do this physically anymore." I I mean, not not that he's sitting here saying, "Boy, I can only take one more year of." of the, the reps and the the practice and OTAs, he didn't know what that date was going to be. And it could be two years, could be five years, could be seven years, I don't know. But his point, I think, and, and the, the thing that I thought was the most interesting is not only that, I mean, it's not news to hear Adrian confident in his own physical ability, but to sort of hear the reasoning behind it and to hear James Cooper say, this guy hasn't hit his full potential yet, there is a belief there that, the rules don't apply to me in terms of we saw Emmett Smith slow down. We saw Walter Payton slow down. His, his outlook is, so what? Those guys probably weren't training the same way I was. They may not have the access to the same things that I do in 2016. That doesn't apply to me, and, and the thing that is going to get me isn't going to be physicality because I'm not going to hit that limit at least before most running backs do. It's going to be the passion. Exactly.
1: Is there is there any chance at all that they're trying, that both of them are trying to set up the reason why he would walk away? Because Peterson and guys like that are so prideful. They're never, ever going to get to a point, for the most part, where they say, you know what, I'm just starting to break down. I'm tired of, of it. Does it make more sense for them to set up his ability to walk away in, let's say, two years by saying, you know what, here's what I'm tired of, but in my mind, I, I can still do this. Because I'm just trying to think of, it's happened, but I'm trying to think of how many guys have basically said, I'm just broken down. I mean, you have to be really broken
2: yeah, down. Yeah, it's hard to admit that to yourself. Yeah,
1: exactly. So this sounds to me like like also, and it's probably true, but it also sounds like a good reason why you could say, I'm walking away as opposed to, I just can't do it.
2: Maybe, but here here's the flaw in that, if that's what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. We're going to know if he can't do it physically anymore. We're going to see it. I mean, that part is verifiable on game days, verifiable, you know, for those of us who get to watch practice. We're going to see that on the field. If he can't do it, we're going to know because the the production just isn't going to be there. And I I I guess I I felt last year like there was maybe it wasn't like 2012 peak Adrian, not, not that we're ever going to necessarily see that again. I mean, no matter what he thinks, I I think Seeing another year like that is probably unlikely. But for him to do what he did, I, I think, shows you that he's still pretty productive, at least in the things that he does really well. We've all discussed the things that he doesn't do as well. But if that eventually drops off, if we eventually see the production fade, then that line of thinking, as it being, you know, oh, this is him denying it, won't work because we'll all know, okay, this you can't do it anymore. And until we see that, you, you kind of assume otherwise, I guess.
3: Yeah, Ben, you were down there with Adrian working out uh, this past weekend with guys like Andre Johnson, the free agent wide receiver, yep. Vikings defensive end to deal Hunter. Melvin Gordon. Uh, run, yes, uh, Chargers running back Melvin Gordon. So they had a good group going there. What yeah. was the biggest takeaway you saw from those group workouts that they were doing?
2: This particular workout was really interesting to watch because it was the first one that they were back together after minicamp. I, I saw him work out Monday. So, he got back down there Friday or Thursday afternoon. He said, "I'm you know I'm, I'm taking Friday to kind of rest and recover from from minicamp, and I'm going down to Palestine or going up to Palestine, his hometown for his annual thing there. He was up there Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. He got back to his house Sunday afternoon. Worked out <coughs> Monday morning. So this was really the first time he's worked out with with James Cooper since the start of OTAs. So." He feels like, and I think a lot of these guys feel like, the training they do with James and that, that you can do with a private trainer is so much more intense than what the teams have you go through because with a team you're trying to cater to 53 guys and you're trying to mostly maintain. You're not pushing it quite to the edge because if people start getting hurt, well, we saw what happens. And Fli- not everybody
3: can go at Adrian's pace. Exactly,
2: sure. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So these are different in that sense. So this was considered a light day. Here's what a light day consisted of. They started off running six sprints on a, a nearby track, and the you know it was the humidity was so thick that you could drink a you know drink it through a straw as usual in Houston. They did three three hundred meter sprints, three two hundred meter sprints. Went back to the gym, which is a couple miles away. They they go up this like forty degree inclined hill. Did a few sprints up that. <clears throat> worked in a sand pit to do some agility stuff. They. Did bench press. They did uh, pull ups where you had a 25 pound weight dangling between your your ankles, basically suspended. Um, There was some TRX cable stuff. There was free weights. uh, There was ab work. I mean, the whole workout was about three hours, and that Adrian said was a lighter day that he does with him. He said by the time, and he basically said, come back come back down when we're closer to training camp because we'll be running that 40 degree hill. Mm Like twenty times will be going up backwards, and he almost I think was a little bit like this isn't really the day I want to have people watching me because you could tell he was he was hurting a little bit. I is mean, this, it was getting it back into this was a little bit tough, and he you know he's a prideful guy. He wants people to see him at his at his best, and I think his point is that we're going to go do more than that. That's a uh, jumping time. off
3: point. It was a starting point. <clears throat> yeah. The other interesting thing month. James
2: Cooper said is that their sort of goal. He said every year. I try to surprise him, I try to have something different this year's goal is recovery in in the sense of I want you to be able to do sprints and then come right back thirty seconds later and be able to hit the same thing. You said the goal is i think in the in the end of this time is to be able to do ten forties between four four eight and four five five with thirty seconds rest between them and hit them all at that speed or better. And not slow down. So that's that's kind of where he's trying to go.
3: Did you go into Adrian's new gym now? I did. Yep. And so, how big is this place, and what what's inside? You know,
2: it's it's in an old um, like an old auto parts recovery factory that they gutted, and and they put a, you know a couple million dollars into it. It's it's basically it's pretty um, pretty open, I guess. I mean, it's basically all just kind of one big room. Kind of looks like an airplane hangar. They have. Um, this this ramp thing they have is outside in the back. It's in like this kind of growing area of Houston, but it's basically in a strip mall. Uh, they've got the the volleyball court where they do some of the sand pit stuff. They've got wait, so you could go to like Jiffy Lube and then go to Adrian Peterson's gym. Or like I what, don't know what, what do else mean? was in the strip mall. I can't remember, but yeah, <laughs> okay, I mean okay, it, it was on. it was in a nicer area of <laughs> yeah. town. They're kind of catering to the millennial market, but yeah, yeah. They had MMA rings, they have boxing stuff. They had a uh, an underwater treadmill back in a pool. You know they have endless pool thing where you basically swim against the current swim in place. Um, he's got like an organic juice bar. He's got, uh, you know, basically every weight machine you'd ever want to see. But the the focus of these gyms is is classes. I mean, they're catering to people that say, okay, I belong to a boutique yoga studio and I do my CrossFit and I have all this different stuff and I want to be able to do all of it under one roof. They've got like a an obstacle course with a, a cargo net and, and climbing stuff for if you want to do CrossFit type workouts. Yeah you know basically all of the different types of kind of new hot workout trends they can kind of put under one roof and they're hoping to expand it into I think Scottsdale, the Bay Area, and San Diego by the end of 2017.
1: And so he started this gym uh, specifically to consolidate things for himself, right? Yeah, he, he was tired of going from a, a track to a weight room. Exactly. To, okay.
2: Yeah, there was some of that. I mean, you know, he still lives like 40 minutes away, and he's actually going to build a house closer to the gym so that he can cut down on his commute time. That's what I did. <laughs> I mean,
1: that's what I did. I said, you know what, bleep it. Don, we're gonna build a house right by the gym,
2: right, right by twenty-four hour fitness, because Judd's tired of having his. I'm gonna, spare tire. I'm gonna build a house the,
1: now. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna build a house by the the <laughs> radio station. I'm gonna build a house by the I gym.
2: Saying, I'm sick of taking
3: the, the commute on ninety four, honey. We're just gonna build a house right next to KSTP. Yeah, we we're, just threw right. it up. It's a
1: nice little it's a nice little boutique house, a couple million dollars. I mean,
2: well. when you make the kind of money that Adrian does or that you make, you yeah, can do you that. Can't put up with traffic. I mean, the rest of us People simpletons just have get to compromise. Kobe
3: flew to the Staples Center. Why doesn't Adrian just get a helicopter?
2: I don't know. I, I I didn't ask him that. It's a clear flaw in my uh, my journalistic process. Do you think I should him that? Do you think I should get a helicopter? You don't Think I could get a helicopter? Maybe I could fly a helicopter. He can
1: fly to US Bank Stadium in a helicopter. It's go. a hell of an idea. Land right <laughs> on the roof. Of course, the thing would crash right through it. Right. Slide,
2: the roof is so Steve would slide right off. But, um, yeah, I mean he he so he he built this partially for that, and then partially I think. They saw an opportunity to do this as a business thing. There's, there's like six investors. Uh, Adrian's one of them, obviously. James Cooper is one of them. Uh, Trent Williams from the Redskins is one of them. Uh, he's trained with James Cooper for years, and then there's a couple other guys that are, you know, powerful finance types. How did Adrian get involved with James Cooper? And how long has he been? Uh, how long has James been his trainer? He's been his trainer basically his entire NFL career. Okay. I mean, Adrian said he went to Houston after his first year in the league to go back there and and, and to train, um, James was doing a lot of the things that Adrian did in college, At and he said a lot of the reason he went to Oklahoma and picked Oklahoma over Texas, which was a pretty big deal at the time, was that they had the type of strength program that he really bought into. So he was looking for a guy that could do some of the same things he did at Oklahoma, James Cooper had been doing a lot of things with the Rockets. I mean, he was talking about training with guys like you know, Vernon Maxwell and Robert Ory. I mean, some of those guys that were on those championship teams the Rockets had in the mid-'90s. So he he was doing a lot of the things that Adrian liked, and they've basically been together Adrian's entire career. James Cooper and Russ Payne, who was his rehab guy, were, were the two guys that he really credits with helping him get back from that ACL as quickly as he did. And, you know, I think the the thing with Adrian is he's so loyal to the people that are in his circle – you know i probably almost sometimes to a fault that when you get in with him and he trusts you you're going to be there so that James Cooper I think is going to be his guy the rest of his career and and, and they're going to obviously be in business together th- now too
3: yeah i think a lot of professional athletes are like that in general yeah, i mean definitely. lebron's camp he's had the same people since high school um now with adrian specifically obviously the vikings now he's got a new position coach kevin stefanski they're working mike zimmer said they've been uh, focused on the versatility aspects that we can see him taking mm-hmm. uh shotgun handoffs and practice catching swing passes out of the backfield doing all those kinds of things uh, you got to talk one-on-one with him about that, though. What is he specifically doing, and what are they working on with him in terms of the fumbling and other things to improve in his game?
2: The fumble thing, I didn't get a chance to see it, but they described it to me, and I, I kind of want to go back down there to watch this, because it just sounds really interesting. I, they've done this over the years, I guess, in years where he's had fumbling problems, and one thing he talked about is, yeah, people think I fumble a lot, but in in terms of my career rate, I'm I'm basically where Eric Dickerson was or where Walter Payton was. I've got to look up the stats to to verify that. But, I mean, it was kind of a point of, of pride with him that, you know, I'm not as bad at it as people think. But one of the things with James Cooper that he said is that some of these years where he's fumbled a lot, I mean, I think that, you know, he had the year probably, I mean, 2009, obviously, everybody remembers yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. But I think there were a couple of years there where the fumbles got kind of high and they're going back to this drill. And they're actually going to do it with Melvin Gordon too. So what they basically do is they hook up resistance bands to him while he's carrying a ball he's got to essentially run you know as far as he can make it in a minute against the resistance bands that are basically pulling on his arms james cooper is sitting there with boxing gloves beating on his arms beating on the ball while he's running against the resistance bands trying to get it out so and the other thing adrian said that i thought was really interesting is that i think he said his college quarterback saw him or watched film of this stuff after the season and said, you know what I noticed, Adrian, is that you get into this mode once you get through the line, and we all saw it with the Cam Chancellor fumble. Adrian was a track guy, and he he always sort of talks about that being his second love. He said a lot of times, and you can see him do this, he'll swing his arm to try to get more locomotion going so that he gets up the top speed faster. In the process of doing that, he's obviously swinging the ball, too. So He feels like his technique slipped a little bit because he was doing a lot of that. So." Working on some of that, and then this fumble drill, which I really want to see, because it just, I mean, visually sounds really interesting. We didn't get a chance to see it, because they weren't doing it that day, but it would be fascinating to watch that, especially, I mean, Melvin Gordon was a guy that had some fumble issues, too, and and James Cooper said, you know, once I get him through that drill, you know, he's pretty confident in that, and time will tell if that works for Melvin Gordon, too, but... um, that is going to be something that they do with both of those guys before training camp starts.
1: What about the um, improvements that they're trying to to make with him as far as pass catching? Yeah, which I don't, which I don't think he's terrible at. I mean, he's not great, uh, and more importantly, pass protections.
2: Well, I mean, I, I'm not quite sure how much you can do down there from pass protection standpoint. Right. I think some of that will have to happen in training camp. But I mean, he talked about how that's going to be part of his process and has been that they have you know guys down there i mean robert griffin has been one of the quarterbacks that works out with him at times they have a few other guys that work out in their group that played in college so he said sometimes he'll just go after he's done with all of this and go to a field and and run routes and and work on some of those things and i i don't know i I didn't get a chance to see that part of it i'll be curious to see how much better he is there i mean I, i guess that's one of the things that well, I mean, he we saw a little bit of it in OTAs and mini camp. I thought he looked better, but I'm I'm not, I guess, terribly confident that he's going to turn into, you know, pass
1: catching thing too. Boys, is this and it's <laughs> if you watch him catch a pass, it's not that he can't catch the ball; it's the footwork yeah. and and it's how he. If you watch Jarek McKinnon catch a pass, it's really fluid and it looks simple. When Adrian catches a pass, it's not that he can't catch it. It's that he stops himself, and you can see him getting the ball into his hands and then turning upfield. Yeah, that's like a McKinnon, step process. Exactly, where McKinnon, a guy like that, it's all one motion.
3: One, I wonder, too, how different it is for a guy like Adrian and his mentality when he's practicing it as opposed to playing it. When he's practicing it, is he thinking about shaking a defender or is he thinking about just catching it fluidly? And then all of a sudden you get into a game, he's a thinking point. about the next step after that, and perhaps the instincts take over, and that's where you get the lapses. And we've heard him
2: talk about it, too, with more in the context of the shotgun runs. What does he always say? I need to be more patient. I I speed up too much. That could certainly be part of it, catching the ball, is you're thinking, okay, i got to make a guy miss. i got to go here and there.
3: And the patience thing is something he brought up with the fullback, too. I don't like with a fullback in front of me. All of a sudden, Jerome Felton opens up a few holes, and he warms up to it, and it takes some time.
2: Slowing down and being able to think slow and play fast, I think is something, and he's admitted that, that he has had to work on, because that is not his strong suit as a running back. Subtlety and and gracefulness i guess is not how i would describe adrian peterson's strengths as being i mean i think it's 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 obviously power and speed and all of those things but he's not ever going to be confused with you know somebody as balletic as as walter payton for barry sanders or somebody like that
3: all right ben what else is coming up on espn.com from your trip down there
2: well we'll we'll have a sports center feature that won't obviously be on com. i'm sure it'll make its way there but the main reason we went down is we're going to do a sports center feature on the day and I I haven't seen any of the video yet but I'm pretty excited to to watch it. I I had another sit down with Adrian for about 30 minutes before the workout that that will be part of that too, you know, on camera stuff. Him just talking about, you know, can he catch Emmett Smith? You know, does he think that the rules will apply to him that have applied to all these other running backs with what you do in your 30s? You know, we we talked a little bit about the Super Bowl being in Houston and how that kind of puts it, you know, bolt's eye on it for him this year, and you know, a lot of different stuff with what his plan is for the gym. Could this be a, a a business for him after he retires? I mean, some of those things are are on his mind too. So it was it was a good chance to to catch up with him. It was fun to to go see his hometown. I, I did a video on ESPN dot com talking about the flooding there last month and some of the things he's doing to help. Got a chance to talk with a lot of his family about. The things he's doing there and, and where that goes. And, um, you know, the, more of that will surface in the next couple of weeks. But the the, the big driving thing is going to be the Sports Center feature we do, which I think, um, you know, seeing some of the video they got Monday is going to be pretty cool for people was to see. Was that on
3: Adrian Peterson Day in the Palestine kind of community, or what was that on the feature?
2: Well, the feature will be on his gym and okay. the training routine. Gotcha. The, the, the video I did in Palestine was sort of. Yeah, a one-man band. It was just yeah. me shooting things on my iPhone and, and slapping it together. But the, the Sports Center thing where we put all of the the bells and whistles behind it will be on the gym in the, the day that we spent with him training.
1: Two years now uh, removed from his off-the-field issues, Ben. Mm-hmm. How does he feel now about that? I mean, there would be some people who would be bitter about that. He doesn't strike me as a bitter guy, but does he – I mean, he's obviously talked about – he's learned things from it. Yeah. But I'm just saying – When you sit down in a moment that's, you know, no pressure on him, and so he's just Mm -hmm. talking as a person, what's his feeling about that whole experience now and and how it impacted his life?
2: I think, if I could put it in a word, as he relates to the rest of the world, probably guarded. I mean, I, I think there are still times where he is a little bit cautious of, okay, how is this person that I'm dealing with going to portray what happened? Because, I mean, there still is very much a a belief down in that part of the country that this is part of how we discipline our kids. Now I don't think anybody is, is saying that what he did was completely in step with that. And I think he's admitted that, that he, that he made a mistake and and went too far and and apologized to his son right after that. But, you know, I think a lot of it for him has been the people that know me best sort of understand what I'm really about and aren't putting these labels on me that other people that don't know me as well might put on me. So I I think some of it as he relates to the rest of the world is that, but I I, I felt like, I mean, I, he seems good. I mean, he he seems like he's in a spot where he has sort of been able to compartmentalize his career. I guess I, I was talking to, to one of his old football coaches who's still a confidant of his. And, and he said, in a lot of ways, you know, getting married and having some time to sort of, I mean, he even talked about like there was a time where he had to he was calling Adrian and Adrian was like, yeah, you know, I'm dealing with my it was my, you know, my washing machine wasn't working or something and just stuff that the rest of the world has to deal with that something breaks. You got to call somebody to fix it. He felt like I mean, his coach felt like that was one of those things that was really good for him to have happen because he just saw that there's not. You know, Football is not the be-all, end-all to the world, but there's other stuff out there that you can sort of hold your career in a different light because you just don't have to sit there and think that that's the only thing you're ever going to be about. And I, I still think, you know, as for any athlete, when he does eventually walk away, there is going to be an adjustment there. Every athlete talks about this, and I would be curious to see how it works out for him. But I do think being away from it and, and seeing – some of the other things that are out there in the world was probably a good thing for him.
3: Yeah, Ben, and, and you're probably as connected to Adrian and has plugged in and have done the most reporting on him since this entire thing happened uh, two years ago. And just hearing what he's at least told you and other people uh, nationally, it's it's interesting to see him pivot from, I can play until I'm 40 to, well, I wonder if I want to do this to maybe the practice and the grind draws me away. You're right, it seems to be that it's given him perspective on life yeah. instead of just saying, this is my life and this is all I have.
2: Yeah, and the other thing too that he mentioned was that he said in the in the process of of training, he said, you know, when I was younger, I used to go out and stay out late at night and still come in and train at the same point. But now I'm smarter about it. I'm not out doing those things as much. I'm not out staying not staying out until you know whatever hour of the morning and then trying to come back and do it the next morning. I'm I'm smarter about conserving my energy that way and and not burning the candle at both ends. And I, I think that's some of that is just as you get older. You, you know, you tend to to shift that direction. I mean, people in whatever walk of life say, okay, I, I'm maybe not going to do that as much. I'm not going to, you know, put myself behind the eight ball from an energy standpoint. But, um, you know, I, I think he's just in a different spot. I mean, it, I think he's just in a spot where his focus has shifted to to different things, things that you're interested in when you're 31 that you might not have been when you're 21. So, uh, all of those things, I, I think he's he's in a good spot. I, it felt like to me, anyway. Judd, are you in a good spot?
1: Well, I'm considering building a third house now. (laughs) I've got the house near the station and the house near the health club, and I'm considering putting one by the local McDonald's as well, so I don't have to drive there. I'd like to cut out. What if I could cut out if I just built helicopter pads at each of these houses so I wouldn't have to put up with the traffic on 94? That would give me three houses near three locations at which I'd like to be at.
3: Are you funding this with all the presents you've stolen over the years from all the sports figures? Because <laughs> you are the Grinch, sports obviously. Grinch. Sports yes.
1: Grinch was in a very good mood today for the Purple Podcast. I'll have you know, oh, absolutely. Because uh, we had a so little conversation the work. about Adrian Peterson. <laughs> well, as Guestling said before we started, it was hot in Houston.
2: It was hot in Houston. I mean, it's and I think it's supposed to be worse than this weekend, but uh, breaking. Houston hot this time of year. Yep. It's, I, I kept thinking of that uh, clip from Family Guy where they have the, <laughs> the weather guy. and like, what's the forecast? It's hot! It's that's rain. it. Ollie, it's going to
0: rain. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plug to Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB, J.J. McCarthy, makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair Charlie's accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk, but when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. 92%